0: Summer series podcast. I'm Sam and I'll be taking you through our summer binge series. And just like the French go away for the summer and return in the fall, Ted and I are taking a little time off too. But we'll be back at Rontre in September with new episodes from Claire's Diary. In the meantime, I will cover three or four of Claire's diary entries in each podcast so you can listen right through. No commentary just the diary. Sit back and enjoy this remastered and condensed podcast. So whether you're here for a revisit or an introduction, welcome. And hey, don't forget to check out the website too at yourcoolants.com. Here we go in the summer series. I'm Sam and we're going to start with the very first episode where we met Laurent, the first cool aunt. And Claire says, nieces, aunts, and friends, as I open my diary to you here for the first time, I was a kid on the urge of being a teen, hungry to grow and learn. There's so much more to tell you, and I will, but I'm going to start there. We'll talk again soon. Claire. Okay, Claire, let's go. So let's open Claire's diary and get to it. This is episode one, Laurent's arrival on a rainy night. Claire says, I was 12, feeling hopelessly bored, roaming around the house on a Sunday night after dinner. The kitchen windows looked black with night, still steamy from dinner and washing up. And the rain had been falling all day, and it will not stop tomorrow. Fallen leaves block the storm drain in front of the house, and the street is beginning to flood. The back hall is still a little wet, and it smells of our raincoats hung there hours ago. It's the end of a warm weather spell that teases us to think cold weather is far off, but this will probably be the last warm rain for the next six months or so. The early darkness consumed the front porch. No one bothered to flip the front lights on. No one is expected. I went up to my room, and through the front window, I could see a car I didn't recognize. There were two people inside, and they were embraced in a long kiss. I started to feel a little odd watching, but I couldn't look away. And then the car door opened, and the light revealed the passenger. I jumped back from the window as if caught looking, and when I cautiously peeked again, the car was moving away fading behind the cloud of its exhaust vapor. What just happened? Did I just see that, or am I imagining this? Barely a second passed, and then an explosion of fast knocking at the front door, followed by, where are you? Let me in. You can't possibly be in bed yet. The next section is entitled, Our World Traveler Returned. Yes, says Claire. Yes. I silently screamed to myself, punching the air and thanking God. She broke the depressing night entering the hall with her heels in hand, and she plunked her ever-present leather weekend bag onto my shoulder. She kissed every one of us, both cheeks, hugs, so French. And when she kissed me, she whispered, Was that you up in the window? We're all thrilled. My mother was amused, but not surprised, because this is her younger half-sister, the world traveler. Laurent is always in motion and always beautiful in any setting, including this rain-soaked night. I loved the fact that her visits were unannounced. Showing up unexpectedly, she turned the night around far more dramatically than any planned visit ever could. Hopefully, she'd stay for more than just one night this time. Laurent was exotic to me. She was born in France and spoke with an accent. What could be more intriguing or exciting than a life like hers, a world traveler? Why did my mother seem merely bemused by her? She's Laurent's older half-sister. Maybe it's the decade that divides them in time, or that they have different mothers. They look and sound so much alike. It is almost confusing to me to watch and listen to them together. One story they love to tell, usually every time we're together, is how, as a toddler, I couldn't tell them apart and in surrendered frustration ended up calling both of them mommy. It was very funny to the two of them. More so when overheard by strangers and the double takes that followed. I blush to confess that in bored fantasy, I daydreamed about what my life could be. If instead, Laurent was my mother, to live in a French village, travel all the time, eating in famous Parisian restaurants, no homework, no rules, ah, if only. And remember, I was only 12 at the time. The next section is growing up in a French village. And Claire goes on, she says, they are so much alike and so different in personality. What makes them so different? Laurent? is in every way her French mother's daughter. Likewise, my mother is very much like her mother too, but she's an American. Could this be the major source of their difference, or is it simpler? That my mother was born in France, she left at 10, she returned every summer, whereas Laurent's experience was more purely of French culture. Then again, they shared a father who was probably the greatest Francophile of all time, but surely he had something of an American influence on Laurent's upbringing in that tiny French village. My mother's response to my endless questions was, you know that we are not the same person, and like any family, we're individuals with our own personalities, no matter the tally of similarities or differences. Besides, if we were too similar, imagine how boring that would all be. It was the last part of what she said that really registered with me. Back in the kitchen, I positioned myself as close as possible to Laurent holding on to her bag like a treasure. It smelled of her perfume. It was well-worn, and the leather was banged up a bit. A bottle of wine was opened and poured as the adults caught up on their lives. My mother teased Laurent for arriving barefoot, Laurent responding, the rain was warm, and besides." Those shoes were well worth it. While they bantered, I traced the marks on the leather bag with my finger, wondering what could have caused this mark and maybe where it happened. I conjured up exotic places and circumstances, people too. I was beyond excited. I felt privileged to hold Laurent's bag and knew there were so many stories, so many miles in this bag. It was a source of a thousand dreams. It was heavy to me, but never over full. I brought it upstairs to my room and placed it in the center of my bed. I wanted her, Laurent, to have my space, hoping her presence would somehow seep into me. Everything about Laurent fascinated me. I wanted to be like her when I grew up, and I needed to find out how. She is my cool aunt. Okay, now we're moving right along where Claire tells us it's important enough to make a difference. She says, nieces, aunts, and friends. This is Claire's note before she shares her diary entry. And she says, In the interest of explaining how this all started with more detail, I've opened the diary to a story that takes us back in time. Here, I was 13. I spent a lot of my time in anticipation of Laurent's visits. And it's fair to say I was somewhat obsessed. I had opened my eyes and started to notice others who possessed qualities similar to what I admired so much about Laurent. It registered with me. I was just beginning to connect some dots about life. And this time, for my eighth grade graduation lunch, I worked to get all the details right. I made the effort because it was worthwhile that I and the moment were worth the extra effort because it mattered to me and it really showed. It was about the moment and the people in it with me, and I wanted to communicate that too. Looking back, I can say now, in that moment, for the first time, I managed to employ a Frenchwoman-style philosophy. Use what you have, elevate it, and make the most of it because you in the moment are that important. It matters. And Claire reminds us to go and read her backstory on the website if you haven't. And she signs off. We'll talk again soon. Claire. So let's open the diary. This is originally episode number three called Details Do Matter, The Importance of You. I was sure that no one else in the existence of womankind had felt as awkward as I did when I was finishing up middle school. Eighth grade was painful in too many ways to recount, intensified by the prospect of high school bearing down on me in a matter of months. I finally made it through, and all that remained was a presumably corny graduation program with what I considered to be fake caps and gowns. I expected to look and feel like a kindergarten graduation with adoring parents and kids in paper hats. My plan to overcome the sting of this embarrassment was to have an amazing grown-up luncheon afterwards. (laughs) Okay, Claire. My family usually goes out for a meal for celebration events like this one. Now, on this day, we plan to go out for lunch after the morning event and, in our family tradition, the honoree chooses the restaurant. I researched this for weeks prior and came up with something that I knew might annoy some but would please others and thrill me. I chose Chez Vincent, an American version of a French bistro on the other side of town, ensuring that there would be no other celebrating families from my school there. I studied the menu online, I looked up definitions and the pronunciation key of every dish, just in case. I figured the graduation would be painful enough, so the possibility of a memorable lunch was my salvation. I was going to have steak frites and a creme brulee with an espresso. Maybe my mother would share a bit of a red wine with me, watered down in a wine glass of my own to pose with. I hoped it was a perfect plan. Details mattered to my cool aunt, and now me, too. The ceremony started out exactly as expected, boring and corny to the point of my own embarrassment. I was bored out of my mind until a stir in the back of the auditorium pulled my gaze. Several people moved aside as a woman entered. Winding her way through the crowd... I saw the hat and wondered, that's not Laurent, or is it? It did not cross my mind that she was there to see me, but of course, I was thrilled in any case. Hey, a girl can hope, right? Anyway, I could see the brim of her hat move ever so slightly as she scanned the seats, looking, until she connected with me. She paused her smile broadening, and with a nod, the brim tipped down and then up slightly. I was in something of a trance when my seatmate shook my arm pointing to the stage. My name was called and then repeated for a top academic honors. My parents beamed. I blushed and struggled to pass through the row of seated classmates poking at me, laughing. Usual nonsense. Ascending the stairs, I received my award and remembered nothing else until Laurent found me in the celebrating crowd outside. Again, it felt like people parted as she approached. I wanted to believe that Laurent had come to see me, but I shushed that notion away and nonchalantly asked what brought her there. Nearly incensed, she answered simply, "'You, of course.' It turned out that my bistro plan was perfect. Seated between my mother and Laurent, I ordered steak frites confidently. My mother shared her wine with me, and I enjoyed every morsel, especially Laurent's knowing approval afterward when she joined me for an espresso. This was another early moment I can identify in my life when I knew Details matter and were well worth the planning and the wait. Of course, the anticipation was almost the best part other than Laurent's interest. The summer break that followed is similarly etched deep into my memory. I owned it and allowed myself to first wonder and then almost believe that, yeah, I can do this. I've got this. In the next episode, Claire takes us back to her summers, and she says a French way of doing things, nieces, aunts, and friends. Claire says, since I started sharing my diary, I've been intent on explaining and describing cool aunts, remembering how and when something caught my attention. It was also at a time when I was casting about, searching for my own identity, wondering what direction to take. So I think it is worthwhile to go back in time once again to look at an early impression of my cool aunt, what it was about her and the way she did things. In her company, I watched her like a hawk, trying to grab onto whatever was happening in the moment. She could take anything from a piece of stale bread or just a moment in time and make it special. Make it, and especially you, worthwhile. It was a French attitude, I think, her style philosophy that I noticed. And this time, it registered. This summer is an especially fond memory for me for a thousand reasons. I can also recall so much from this time as though my senses awakened for the first time and everything seemed somehow intense. How the smell of espresso wafted upstairs in the morning when the cicadas began to buzz. The smell of the wood dock as I sat with a net in hand, waiting for a crab to rise out of the dark water. The sound of firecrackers across the lake. And best of all, the sound of Laurent calling us for a meal or an adventure. And we'll talk again soon, Claire. So here we go with another diary entry that's entitled Lost and Then Found. Whenever and wherever Laurent appeared, always unannounced, she had that big leather bag over her shoulder. She developed the habit of handing it off to me. And then, as was her custom, she greeted, hugged, and kissed everyone's cheek, both cheeks, every single person. I felt like the trusted, designated person. No matter the season or the reason for the visit, Her bag was a constant. If you saw her bag, you knew she was nearby. When asked about it, she'd laugh and say, oh, that old thing. I've had it since I left Paris. The first time, I think. And then she'd pause for a moment, maybe remembering something. And with the trace of a smile, she changed the subject. We spent most of the summer at a lakeside cabin. It was very Norman Rockwell, very New England and now deeply embedded in my heart, too. I complained of boredom, but I loved the quiet time to pretend to begrudgingly read my summer reading list assignments. My dog was always with me, in and out of the water, and even closer at the dinner table. Schedules? They were left behind in the city, and we managed happily. Sometime in late August, There was an unspoken silence, more of an expectation that built as the dog days lingered. Everyone wondering, not if, but when, Laurent would appear. It was guaranteed, just like that first red leaf on the roadside in autumn. Signs of change. One summer, it was a black car with a driver that rolled down the dusty drive, and looking up, we glanced at each other. Laurent. Running with glee, chasing the car, we knew it was her. Who else would roll into a main summer camp with a car and a driver? Laurent would. Definitely Laurent. And of course, with her bag for the week. Somehow, she always had all she needed in that bag. Just like when she showed up on that rainy winter night. The bag was heavy but not overburdened. It was a big, slouched leather bag that had some scars and a noticeable blue ink stain on the side. In it, she had enough for everything, anything. Perfume, a maillot, a silk blouse, a huge scarf. Who knows what? But minimalist was an understatement. Laurent could be ready for any event, from a cookout, to an evening soiree out of her bag. Once, it reminded me of a magician's act where they keep pulling on an infinity scarf. A pair of shorts, I think cut off Levi's, lived on a door hook in the back bedroom, a fixture I never knew whose they were originally. No one ever used them except Laurent. She always wore them at the cabin. Like her, they were the real thing. She appeared in the earliest dawn of the day in those shorts and a silk blouse from the night before with the sleeves rolled up high. She'd say, so what shall we get into today? I almost felt as though we were plotting something that surely would not be approved of, by whom I'm not sure. But I was thrilled to be included in her conspiracy of joy. Real French bread. pants? perdu. Without announcement, Laurent could start something, anything, and suddenly everyone was or wanted to be involved. It was great fun. It was very Laurent. In the very early morning, alone with her, breakfast could start off with almost nothing available, and she'd scoff at the challenge as though it was too easy, not even a real challenge. Ten minutes later, we'd be eating something great. My favorite was her pain perdu, her so-called lost bread. It was stale bread, an egg, some bubbling butter, a bit of cinnamon, and a tap of nutmeg, slow-cooked in the big black iron pan. It was a time that I shared with her in those early hours. I felt it was our time. She made ridiculously strong coffee and then would only drink a small cup of it. But she mixed mine with milk in a glass with the last of the sugar she had set aside. And when the lost bread finished cooking, she would proclaim it, found. Cut into perfect triangles and set onto one plate. A faded flour sack towel would serve as our tablecloth. We headed down to the dock together. A lift of our cups towards one another, acknowledging the day ahead. And then the sun would sneak over that last, highest treetop as we finished up. Abruptly rising, she'd say, Okay, now, what was it that we were thinking of doing? This is what I waited for through the summer. Laurent and her ideas. From nothing, something. To me, she knew the how and the why of life, of everything. I think I knew at ten that she would be my resource, and eventually she became the one I could turn to for real, non-judgmental advice. Well, that includes the third diary entry in this podcast episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, this condensed version on our revisit to Claire's early years in her diary. I'm Sam, and I hope to see you next time when I'm back at the mic.